I'm Enzo Moretti, and today we will be talking about the former Confederate monument that stood in Mokoko Place until protesters tore down the statue the day before classes at UNC were set to begin. Protests around the monument have been ongoing for decades. The statue was splashed with red paint following the assassination of MLK in 1968. In 1997, a demonstration against unfair conditions that UNC housekeepers faced ended at the monument. In the past five years, students, faculty, and community members have attempted to highlight the racist history of the monument. In 2015, then-Governor Pat McCrory signed a bill that prohibited local bodies from moving, quote, objects of remembrance without permission from the NC legislator. In 2015, a white supremacist group named ACTBAC was escorted onto campus following an incident when a student spray-painted Black Lives Matter on the base of the statue. The monument itself was dedicated by Julian Carr in 1913, who infamously bragged about beating a black woman and said that Confederate soldiers liked the statues meant to commemorate, quote, saved the very life of the Anglo-Saxon race in the South in the speech at the unveiling of Silent Sam. Since the demonstrations in Charlottesville in August 2017, several attempts have been made by community members to recontextualize or remove the statue. One attempt was headed by doctoral student Maya Little, who splashed a paint bucket mixed with her blood on the statue. About a month and a half ago, in August 2018, a demonstration was held in support of Maya Little, who was facing charges following the event. Near the end of the event, named Until They All Fall, a statue was pulled down by protesters. After Silent Sam fell, the UNC student body president, the town of Chapel Hill, a large group of black faculty members, and others have come out in support of the removal of Silent Sam from UNC's campus altogether. Several protests and counter-protests have been held in McCorkle Place since the toppling. The white supremacist group ACTBAC and overlapping groups like CSA2 have been escorted to demonstrate around the toppled statue a number of times. 25 people have been charged around events since the toppling of Silent Sam, the majority being counter-protesters to white supremacist groups like ACTBAC and CSA2. Two NC State students who will be joining us today will discuss their experiences at the counter-demonstrations to ACTBAC and CS2 and the police response to those events. Today I'm joined by Thomas, who's been arrested in a protest following the toppling of the Silent Sam. Thomas, could you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Thomas. Uh, they, them, he, his pronouns. Um, I'm a freshman at NC State. Uh, I've been involved with uh, some pol political activism uh, for the past few years, and, uh, you know, Triangle Area is kind of a hot spot right now. Um, and, yeah, about a week after my, uh, my move in for freshman year, um, I was arrested with regards to the Silent Sam protests. Could you talk uh, to us a little bit of why you were counter-demonstrating at the protests? Yeah, so um, I actually I have a lot of friends uh, who are at UNC right now and who have faced uh, harassment and racial discrimination there. Um, so for me, um, being able to join the community and shut down white supremacist uh, rallies or demonstrations is very helpful. Um, so the reason why I showed up that day was because this was directly following the toppling of Silent Sam. So these uh, white supremacist demonstrators were uh, very motivated to be there. Um, one of the, the members from ACT Back, the group that showed up that day, um, talked about how they missed their chance to carpet the lawn with the students' bodies. Um, so I mean, that kind of shows what kind of groups were there and the fact that they were welcome there uh, by police is something that the community doesn't stand for and that makes us all unsafe. So, you know, we showed up uh, and our one goal was to prevent them from being able to, you know, harass students of color or to have any outreach or anything like that. 
So after that protest where you were arrested, there were two more demonstrations um, organized by ACTBAC and another group called CSA2 that were met with counter demonstrators from the student body um, and from community members and anti-racist activists. Um, could you talk, um, I'm aware that you, you were at those other two protests, could you talk a bit about the police response on this protest? Yeah, so I think this, uh, the police response and the increased uh, violence by the police, it's it's been there for a while. Um, this isn't something that's new. Um, so following uh, the Saturday that I was arrested, um, I was arrested in a pretty uh, pretty messy fashion, you know, dragged away in a headlock. And at that point I was like, oh wow, this is great. Like it's not gonna get much worse than this, the police violence. Um, but being trespassed from the uh, following demonstration on the 30th, the pepper spraying incident, there were four medics who were uh, stationed outside of McCorkle Plaza because they'd been arrested and were not allowed um, onto McCorkle because of the trespass. So there was a, uh, a few incidents where pepper spray was deployed that day. I believe it was three times. Um, there was once just openly, uh, no targets or no, no real reason to do it. Um, and then there was one right after some demonstrators were arrested. And then when the demonstrators were actually being moved from Graham Hall into the bus, there was another instance of pepper spraying. Um, so to me, um, it, it seems very, very meticulous and the police know who's on their side and who to shut down. Um, so that day, uh, the 30th was really difficult uh, to be off site on because you're seeing people coughing, gagging, people are crying from being hit with pepper spray. And we have medics who are trained to deal with this, but we physically cannot do anything because the police had specifically targeted medics in the first few demonstrations. Um, and the same thing goes for the uh, August 8th, it was. the This was the potluck. Um, the potluck for me, um, was very, very alarming because we all know that the police before these events, they have their their talks and their uh, their briefings where they go over what their goals are, what's the extent of the force they can use and what their plans are. So uh, on that day, I was located on the brick wall at McCorkle Plaza, but not on the grass. And it came, uh, I noticed uh, a friend of mine and I, we noticed that there was an entire squadron of police just staring directly at us from across the field. So that kind of raised some flags to us. Um, we realized that they might be watching us and they might be specifically looking for trespassers who might end up stepping on the property. And uh, following the confiscation of the food drive materials, um, the officer who arrested uh, the other person who was arrested with me came up to me um, and when he was approaching me, he radioed to the other police and he's like, yeah, I'm talking to him now. And then he just warned me if I take one step onto McCorkrell, then they're going to arrest me. So for me, that really confirmed the fact that they are briefing before and that they it's not just like, oh, we're showing up to keep the peace. They brief and they have an end goal. Furthermore, uh, you know, we all know that they gave special parking to CSA2, the Confederate States of America, the second, and escorted them in. They actually closed off the planetarium parking lot to everyone except for CSA2. Um, students weren't allowed to walk through it. Counter demonstrators weren't allowed to walk through it. It was specifically closed off to CSA2. So from my view, um, I was on the outside, of course, and um, I'm kind of going to jump around here and move up to when the police actually became very violent. Um, 
what ended up happening was uh, CSA two was being escorted away, um, and we we uh, we recognized that, so we made a bolt to behind the parking lot, and we were just watching them from uh, a secure location, and we were walking back to the main area, McCorkle Plaza, when all of a sudden a smoke bomb was dropped. And behind that smoke bomb, a line of riot police came out. So the they proceeded to push back uh, demonstrators using their bicycles and tackling them. They uh, tackled and held the taser to uh, a comrade's head. So, you know, this violence is, like, it was very shocking to me. Um because I wasn't expecting this swift escalation, but it seemed very well planned. It wasn't like, it wasn't chaotic. It was, the police came out in a line, the police waited until they escorted CSA 2 out because they knew that the protesters would be closest to Graham Hall at that point, and then they pushed out with the wall, they pushed through the potluck table, uh, flipping a a student at UNC over the table. They arrested, I believe it was eight people that day, None of which were neo-Nazi demonstrators, of course. Um, Something that I have heard um, from some defendants is that the police, um, they issued a dispersal dispersal warning from behind Graham Hall on the other side in the parking lot. However, I was on the other side and I didn't even hear a dispersal. So if their defense is, oh yeah, the students and the community members on the other side of this giant building should have heard yeah. the dispersal that we commanded from all the way over here. Yeah, they, I don't even think... I mean, I guess they did give a dispersal order on our side, but it was, they gave us maybe five seconds before they started tackling people. Yeah. Like um, the other NC State student that was arrested um, was tackled probably seconds after the dispersal order was issued by... An officer and that was after they threw down the smoke bomb the police threw the blue smoke bomb down yeah um i, I mean you always you're, you're seeing this uh, the police are trying to make it seem like oh look we followed proper procedures but we all know that they're only saying yeah we issued a dispersal to justify the acts of violence that they've committed um the second issue of dispersal um the one that i heard was after they had pushed literally everyone out of mccorkle plaza and the line of riot police were standing right in front of the brick wall and then they issued an order of dispersal um but at that point everyone was like well you already arrested eight people you know we're trying to organize how we're going to get to the courthouse how we're going to provide support for this like they just weren't helping at all what do you think the next steps are from here? Yeah, so um, this is based off of our observations of the activism in Durham last year when those statues came down. Um, the DA, who ended up prosecuting very quickly after, lost, uh, lost his job. So we know that the DA at Hillsborough, Jim Woodall, is definitely looking at that, um, especially considering he's up for re-election, and seeing that it, his livelihood and his job is at stake if he continues to prosecute the uh, anti-racist community members because they're the immense majority of people. So um, we've actually staged a call-in which took place on Thursday. And I mean, obviously it's ongoing. If you missed it, you know, you can call in whenever. So the uh, DA's phone number, his public number is 919-644-4600. I've been notified that his uh, voice mailbox filled up really quickly. 
So um, Take Action Chapel Hill actually decided to redirect it towards the mayor, um, which also proved to be very successful. Um, the mayor, uh, Pam Hemminger, their number is 919-968-2714. Um, following the call-in day, the uh, mayor actually issued a statement about how Silent Sam should never have been there and it was long overdue to be taken down. This was one of the first examples that we've seen of any elected official or um, any member, a uh, person of power to, who has the ability to push for it to be taken down has used any strong language regarding it. Um, we all know Fult has been like, well, very wishy-washy, you know, maybe it shouldn't be there, but I'm not going to do anything about it. So we're just going to let it stay. But the, D, uh, the mayor really came out uh, with a strong statement against it. So, you know, our, uh, the pressure on them is working. Um, and it's shown to work in the past with, uh, you know, the J20 defendants and the Defenderum trials. So it's definitely a good thing, you know, if you're looking to get involved in this type of activism, but you're concerned about your health and you don't want to, you know, risk getting arrested or getting kicked out of school or being pepper sprayed or beaten by police. These phone calls go a long way. Um, you know, they help so much. They, you know, we're all just community members and students who are looking to get on with our lives and looking to looking into the future and these baseless charges they they can prevent us from doing that so you know just a phone call in um, letting them know that you support the 25 anti-racist uh, defendants who were protesting silent Sam that's something that can go a long way and that you're you're gonna do everything you can to make sure that he loses his job if he continues to prosecute. I'm also joined by Jody Anderson, an NC State student who was arrested at counter demonstrations to protest at Silent Sam. Jody, could you talk a little bit about what went on at those two protests on August 30th and September 8th? Yeah, on August 30th, uh, there were about 50 Confederate protesters at the base of the former statue, uh, and the police gave them valet parking whereas they closed down parking lots for counter-protesters. So they escorted the protesters with ACT BACK, which is a white supremacist group, into barricades around the monument to prevent uh, counter-protesters from interacting with them. And when they decided to leave, the police utilized bikes to beat the legs of counter-protesters to move them back away from where they were escorting the white supremacists out. And once they got to the parking lot with counter-protesters following them, the police deployed pepper fogger, which is a mix of pepper spray and tear gas. Uh, it's a weapon that's banned overseas, but it was used on peaceful protesters here. They deployed it twice uh, and threatened to spray one kid in the face with it. And then in the most recent demonstration, uh, we were having a potluck and we were taking donations uh, of food, um, and the police actually confiscated all of the canned goods that we had collected, and they said this was because they could be used as weapons, but they allowed one of the Confederate protesters into the barricade with a can in his pocket. So it seemed pretty clear that this was a one-sided thing. They once again escorted the protesters in, this time it was Confederate States of America, too, and there were only about 10 of them, but uh, there were 
maybe 50 or so counter protesters. Uh, the police once again used bikes to clear a path, but even more violently than last time. My leg was bleeding profusely because they shoved the gears right into my ankle. And they also punched a few protesters, shoved a number of people to the ground. And then after they had escorted the white supremacists out, um, they brutally arrested a protester at the tables where we were holding a potluck. This precipitated a chain of events where they made seven more arrests um, against peaceful protesters, tackling them to the ground, putting them in headlocks. Uh, they also threw a number of people to the ground who weren't arrested. So uh, you were arrested that day, and when you were arrested, um, police had shoved two people um, over you. A, a young woman was like sort of thrown over you while you were being arrested, and then um, another person was thrown over her. It was sort of like... It seemed like a chaotic scene, at least from the protesters' perspective, and it seemed like the police were just sort of shoving people away. Um, and they get up maybe five seconds after they give a dispersal order. Yeah, um, and the the one woman who was shoved uh, over me immediately after I was arrested, she sustained some pretty bad bruises and cuts. Uh, and then somebody stood in front of her to try to prevent them from hurting her further, and they threw him over her. Yeah. So Durham community members and now Chapel Hill community members have organized to take down these Confederate monuments. Here in Raleigh, it looks like the Historical Commission isn't going to take down the Confederate monuments on the state capitol grounds. Uh, what do you think the community response in Raleigh is going to be in the next uh, coming years? Yeah, so it's really important to recognize that uh, our, our governor actually issued a statement the day after Silent Sam was uh, allegedly torn down by anti-racist protesters saying that they shouldn't stand but there's also no legal avenue to pursue to take them down because the only time that you can take down a confederate monument is to relocate it when it needs to be worked on or there needs to be maintenance done and it has to be moved to a location of equal importance and there's no place in the state more important than right in front of our capitol building but uh, it's also really important to remember the history behind the 75 foot tall uh, monument that towers over downtown raleigh it was, um, it was erected in, uh, on May 20th, 1885, and just a year before, there was an article in which one of the individuals who was uh, seeking to fund it was saying, the position of North Carolina troops could be accurately located and suitable monuments erected in honor of these noble soldiers who fought and died for the lost cause. And of course, we all know that the lost cause was the United Daughters of the Confederacy's attempt to rewrite Confederate history. Not only this, but the day the statue was dedicated, there was a, uh, it was dedicated by Julia Jackson Christian, who is the granddaughter of Stonewall Jackson, like the Stonewall Jackson. There were also speeches given by um, three individuals, two of which, one of them is named Samuel Ash, who was a captain in the uh, Confederate Army, and the other one, Alfred Moore Waddle, um, he's quite a controversial figure. He, um, he was a congressman who served on the Ku Klux Klan committee. He said to a crowd of 8,000 white men in Greensboro, and I quote, you are Anglo-Saxons, you are armed and prepared, and you will do your duty. Go to the polls tomorrow, and if you find the Negro out voting, tell him to leave the polls, and if he refuses, 
kill him, lead the coup, and, you know, advocating for the murder of black men who went to vote. Not only this, it gets worse if you thought that was, that was bad. Just wait till you hear this. The Wilmington Massacre, uh, when about 3,000 white men went to Wilmington, burned down the one black uh, publisher, and proceeded to massacre 300 people, was led by this individual who then went to the uh, the county court building and took over the position of mayor there at gunpoint. So, you know, this is a man who repeatedly has said um, very vile, racist things. And during his time as the mayor of Wilmington, he invited the United Daughters of the Confederacy to uh, come speak there. Um, so, you know... There's a lot of uh, controversy behind this, um, and the history is rooted in violent white supremacy and the massacre and repression of marginalized people and people of color. So I think that the community will come together and that there definitely will be some backlash to it because the government isn't, isn't providing a legal avenue to have this statue, which is rooted in the blood of people of color, to be removed or just to be taken down altogether. When's your next court date? Uh, my next court date is October 9th um, at the Chapel Hill Courthouse, not the Hillsborough. It was nice to talk with you, Thomas. Thanks. Thanks.